Would you pray for us? Father, I thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you, God, that, like your word says, that your mercies are new every morning, Lord. I thank you, God, that, Father, it was your will that, Father, you chose us. Father, and that you loved us even when our hearts weren't towards you. Father, I pray that this morning, Father, that we would be able to focus and fix our eyes upon you, that we would block out the distractions of this world and of this week. Holy Spirit, that we would be open to receive from you conviction. We would be moved to repentance, to quick action where it's needed. I thank you for the privilege to be able to meet together without fear of persecution. Father, we lift up those around the world who don't have that opportunity. Father, but yet in boldness they still do it. Father, minister to them, protect them, comfort them, strengthen your body around the world today. Father, we thank you that your word does not return void. May there be productive fruit. Father, we thank you that you saw fit to have Doreen with us this morning, Lord. Pray, Father, that you would minister to her in a real way, Lord, in a new and a fresh way this morning. Father, for those that are on their way, Lord, I pray that you would protect them. Pray that you would strengthen Rob as he brings the message this morning. Father, the vessel that you have chosen to use, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.
precious light. I am yours, sacrifice for my words are enough. So I give you my life. Come and kiss this place. I am humble by your face. There is nothing I Yeah.
Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning and your great love for us. Father, we thank you for the understanding that you first loved us. Even in the midst of our rebellion, you love us. Call us to yourself. Father, we give thanks to you for your love endures forever. I pray, Father, as we open up your word today, God, that we would be encouraged to draw close to you. Father, your word gives us the hope that when we draw close to you, your word declares that you draw close to us. I thank you, Father, that we can come as we are. I thank you, Father, that in coming to you, Lord, I thank you that you don't leave us the same. God, that you transform us. God, you renew us, you revive us, you heal us, you deliver us. Your word declares that we are a new creation. We are to be holy and set apart. So I thank you, God, just for this opportunity to come, to sit at your feet, to open your word. I pray, God, that you would give us ears to hear. 
hearts, God, of obedience. We may apply, God, that we may be doers of the word, and not just hearers. I thank you, Father, and we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Deuteronomy is where we're heading, so if you want to go ahead and turn there. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. For the past weeks or so, we've been on this theme of talking about God's love. Um, The first part, um, we talk through scriptures that God has shown His love to us through Jesus. And then we moved on and We looked at scriptures that declare God's love for us and how He cares for us. Today we're going to kind of end on this topic of what does God say about love, His love, and then we're also going to end with how are we to respond to such great love. Love. For we know that scripture says that God is love. We have talked for quite some time now that that is the greatest display of love is the cross. That the cross was purposed even before the world was formed. In order for God's love to be displayed to all creation. Remember the cross wasn't a second thought. The cross didn't come because now God had to figure out what to do to to get his creation back. No, the cross was purpose. Adam and Eve's fall did not surprise God. But the cross, you all. Have you thought of the love that was displayed or thought about the love that was displayed through his life being laid down for you. Such great love, you all. In and of ourselves, we don't deserve it. But he freely gives it. He calls us to himself. He bids us to come. And in doing so, in that response, He gives us an incredible, beautiful understanding of His love. Oh, but we must not be a people who take His love for granted. And I'm afraid that it's easy in our generations, and as well as the previous generations and the generations to come, but it's easy to get entangled with the things that try to lure us from the understanding of how great His love is for us. Is God's love enough for you? That's the question I want to lay out for us today, or propose for us to kind of meditate on. Is His love enough for you? It should be for each of us. Because when His love is enough for us, He satisfies us. And in Him satisfying us, we understand that we are whole. There's nothing missing. There's nothing broken. 
the wholeness, the peace of God that can rule and reign in our hearts no matter what we're facing. That we are satisfied that God, you are enough. I'm not searching for anyone else. I'm not looking for anything else in this world to complete me. But God, I can declare that you are enough. And I will hold on to that truth no matter how the storms of life is battering me. I will stand with the assurance that God, your love for me is enough. Isn't it funny? I was thinking about this throughout the week and this morning. I love Gilda. But could each of you imagine if I were unfaithful and I paraded my lovers before each of you and you all were accepting of that behavior of me? I can tell you over and over how much I love Gilda and how she loves me But yet, I'm caught up in all this other stuff that is around me that lures me to other lovers. And I'm comfortable enough to expose them to you all. To hang out with you all with them. If that was the case, you would really question my love for Gilda. How can he say he loves Kilda? How could there be love displayed if he's given himself to everything and everyone else? And so it is with God. Oh, we love God. We love God and God loves us and we love God and God loves us. But yet we parade our lovers or other lovers in front of everyone else. Everyone else hears us testify. Oh, I love God and God loves me. But here's my other lover. And my other lover. And my other lover. And my other lover. And the list goes on. Whatever those lovers may be. The desires that are from within. The allurement of the world to to draw your attention from the one in whom you say you love. And yet God's love from the beginning has been established. His love endures forever. Think of the greatest commandment that we've been talking about. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your body, with all of your strength. Those can't just be words. (laughs) They just can't be, oh, that's a nice scripture. No, they have to be lived. If truly we are to be God's people, then truly we are to live as He calls us to live. Jesus came to the earth. He knew His purpose was the cross. 
And on his way to the cross, he exposed himself to those that were around him of who he was. He humbled himself. He loved. He served. He taught. The greatest lesson is life being laid down. Come, follow me. You see, if you're a Christian and we're sitting here today and we're calling ourselves Christians, that's how we're to be living. A life that reflects Him. Not a perfect life. So don't, don't go and say, oh, I've got to be perfect and look, here I fell and so it's just too hard. No, you can't play those games. No, it's the genuineness of seeking Him and following Him. And even in the points and those moments, and we've talked about this over and over, that our goal, we're not aiming for perfection, but when we fall, we get up. And we keep moving forward. But we've got to stop making excuses for the lovers that are in our lives. We've got to stop making excuses for the sin that so easily entangles us and we're, and we're comfortable allowing it to identify us. We, we've got to get beyond just saying, He has done so much in my life, but He's unable to finish what He started. That's not what the Scripture says. He is faithful to complete what He has begun in you. Are you faithful to remain in Him? That's the question. Is not His faithfulness, but our faithfulness. And we've got to stop being comfortable with each other, allowing each other to parade our other lovers around and not say a word to each other and not hold each other accountable. See, the church, we're to be a family. We're to be those that are encouraging, edifying, building up. Not just sitting back and going, oh, well, look what they brought with them today. See, love has been so watered down. Unless we forget what Scripture tells us what's going to happen to the love and the church as the time ends in His return. The Word says the love of many will grow cold. They will become lovers of themselves. They will be disobedient to their parents. They would seek only for their own desires. We already know that's how the world lives. But we're warned that that's how the church is going to become. Oh, let us prepare our hearts today and until the day of His return that we don't fall in that trap. That we will not be those who are caught up in that, in that picture losing ourselves because we've given ourselves to all these other lovers. There is only one who can satisfy you. In the Deuteronomy chapter 7 <clears throat> verse 9 actually we'll start at verse 7 through 12. <clears throat> These words were written to the Israelites. But I want to open up here because just as they were spoken for them, we can look at it for ourselves as His holy people in this generation. 
the Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations, for you were the smallest of nations. Rather, it was simply, look at this, that the Lord loves you, and he was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors. That is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hands of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. But he does not hesitate to punish and destroy those who reject him. Therefore, you must obey all these commands, decrees, and regulations I am giving you today. If you listen to these regulations and faithfully obey them, the Lord your God will keep his covenant of unfailing oath, I'm sorry, unfailing love with you as he has promised with an oath to your ancestors. God's faithfulness. What does God say about his love? He has established that he is faithful, that my love will endure forever. It's an unfailing love. And with this understanding of this love that he has for us, then we are to respond to it. In, in obedience. In obedience. To love him back. To follow his decrees. To seek him. To know Him. To abide in Him. Jesus says, apart from me you can do nothing. Don't live your lives being led by yourself. No, allow me to lead you. I've come to set the captives free. Our bondage, our enslavement, our reality... of our being entangled with other lovers is our choosing. It's your choice each and every day. But oh, may our choice be that we would obey. That we would obey. There's nothing special, if you would, about us that calls God to look at us and go, oh, I love them. No, he loves you. And He chose you. You don't choose Him first. No, He chose you. By His Spirit, He drew you to Himself. He has revealed Himself to you. And just as He did to His people here, I mean, they saw God move in an incredible way. They were delivered from their oppressor. They were delivered from their bondage and enslavement. 
Their past was no longer going to define them, for God himself has shown up. And he not only revealed himself to them, but he revealed himself to the nations. That I am their God. And he lays out these decrees, he lays out these commands in which they are to follow. Not to oppress them again, but to allow them to remain free. Sometimes we look at the disciplines of the spiritual life as a Christian as a burden, and they ought not to be a burden. If we would see them for what they are, are keys to freedom, to remain free. It's not that, oh, I've got to give up this, I've got to give up that, I've got to say, no. No, you just freely... And this is under the understanding of how you grow, how you mature. To abide in Him. To remain in Him. To love Him. And in this, He loves back. He lavishes love back on us. Go to Proverbs 8. Verse 17. Listen to this scripture. I love all who love me. Those who search will surely find me. Go to Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a hope, I'm sorry, a future and a hope. He knows the plans that he has for us. Man, I don't know about you, but have you really given thought to that? Have you given thought to the choices that you're going to make today or through this week, or even last week. Look at the days last week that you gave thought and planning of your day. How much of that planning and thought did you give to God? To lead you? To guide you? To give you wisdom? To give you understanding? Should I make this decision, God? Should I not? For He knows the plans that He has for you. Oh God, show me your plan. It's the decision I'm going to make, God, in line with your plan for my life. If not, God, then stop it, no matter how much I desire it. If that is not for me, then I don't want to go towards it. How are you cultivating this relationship that He has brought you to? To talk with Him. 
I love, we were watching this new series about Ephesians, and I love, no, no, it wasn't that one. It was Wednesday night when we were watching um, about the Olympics. <laughs> Bless you. And the pastor was speaking, and he, the one lesson that he learned from this Olympia swimmer is when they were asking the swimmer, like, what is the secret? She says, there's no secret. I just do it. And he was like, that's like the Christian life. Everyone thinks, well, what's the secret to prayer? Or what's the secret to, you know, to fasting or to obedience? What's the secret? There's no secret. Just do it. Just pray. Just fast. Just seek. Just open up your word. Spend time with him. Spend time in fellowship. Just do it. And in doing so, Watch yourself mature. Develop these spiritual muscles, these spiritual disciplines that will, your life will begin to honor God. To honor God. And that His love would be lavished upon you. That you would seek Him. And that you would find Him. And that you can know with confidence that He knows the plans that He has for you. Plans for the good and not for disaster. Plans to give you a future. Can you see beyond today in your circumstances? God's been really challenging me with that lately. So many times it's easy. I, I've shared with you before, there's a lot of times, a lot of things in, in my areas in which I, I have to really be keen and aware of is not to grow discouraged. Because once I grow discouraged, I can become weary, as the Word of God says, and I'll faint. I'll give up. God has been really really challenging me. Can I see beyond the day? Can I see beyond this hour? Can I see beyond this second? Can I see that he has a future? I see we get so caught up here, worried over the trivial things of life that we miss out that our future is already planned for. On you all. The reality of eternity with our God. So we've got to stop allowing His love to be watered down. We've got to stop allowing the call to holiness and to obedience to be kind of pushed aside because that's how other Christians want to live. No. Careful. We are warned. All through these letters, don't be led astray by those who call themselves Christians and do not love God. Anyone can claim Him in His love, but that doesn't mean that they belong to Him. There are wolves among the church, false teachers. Remember, the only people we're told not to associate with is not the unbelievers. It's those who call themselves Christians and deny God's power. And what does that look like? A life 
that says, I'm in a relationship with God through Jesus, and yet a life that is not transformed. There's no fruit. There's not even an evidence of a desire to truly know God. It's a continual speaking the things of God, but parading their lovers all around. It's not how we're to be living. It's not who we are. Like we know our God. We know that He is holy. We know that that's what He is calling us to. And we know that there's a way in which we ought to be living. And it's a way that pleases Him. And it's not a, it's not a burden life. No, it's a freeing life. For he who the sun's son sets free is what? Free indeed. It doesn't say he who the sun sets free remains enslaved, entangled, heavy burdened. No. You're free. That's why the word of God can, can encourage us. Throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. You're not to be identified by that any longer. That is not who you are. See, instead of hearing condemnation, you ought to hear the conviction. No, don't go there. That's not who you are anymore. No, that will not satisfy you. So don't partake of that. Get up from there. What are you doing back there? You're like a dog who's returning to its vomit. You're like a pig going back to the mud. No, come, come, come to me. And we see it all through Scripture. His love for His people. I called you my own. Stop acting like you don't know me. If you keep going that route, you will be destroyed. And that's why you hear me said forever. (laughs) Why would we choose his wrath over his love? Why would we continue to go our way, claim his name, and somehow think that we're going to be ushered in? To his presence. That's not how it works. We're to be a people. Who love him. With the love. For very being. Go to John. Chapter 13. Verse 34 and 35. I've challenged us as well over these past few months. Do you love him? I mean, I just don't want that to be a question. It's, oh yeah, I love him. No, no, no. Do you love him? I mean, we're living in a generation... That love, and and we've talked about this, is is being redefined. Love for yourself is taught more than loving God in the church. We're looking for someone to, to basically give us a motivational talk. Instead of pastors or teachers who would open up the truth of God's word for us so that we will learn how to deny ourselves 
daily. To pick up our cross and to follow Him. That's how you ought to be living. Daily, denying yourself, picking up your cross and following Him. My life is not my own. If you're a Christian, your life is not your own. You're to be living differently now. The world ought to recognize that there's something different about you. And that scripture that we've talked about over and over, where we recognize that the desires are within us, we've nailed them to the cross. And just as we've left them there, we also understand that the world's interest in us is dead as well. See, if you're being polluted by the filth of this world, it's because you've chosen to go back to it. It would have no interest in you and you would have no desire for it if you truly loved him. His love for you. His love for you. And I don't take it lightly, you all. If you had to wrestle with it. Jesus himself says, consider the cost. It's going to cost you everything. The day I was on my knees in that condo, I didn't want to give up my life. I wanted to love Jesus and him love me and me have what I had. I wanted to be who I was, and why can't you just love me the way that I am? And can't I just reap your benefits? <clears throat> and I thank God that his love for me kept just pressing in on me. So I finally hit my knees. What is it that you want from me? What then shall you say? Shall you continue to sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. Don't you know that if you're proclaiming that you've died with me and that you've been raised up to a new life, then live like that, basically. See, the Christian faith is not just like a kumbaya, oh, look, I go to church. <laughs> the Christian faith is a life that has recognized the holiness of a loving God, the provision that was made through His Son, Jesus, freely given to us, that we may be adopted and engrafted into His family if we would receive this free gift of salvation, and in being adopted and, and engrafted into his family, our lives are forever changed because we are born again now of the Spirit. We seek now the things of God because our eyes have been opened. Things that once never made sense to us start making sense. 
we start having these spiritual experiences. And he's revealing himself to us. The living God, you all. The living God. And in that, our lives are changing. And in that, as our lives are beginning to change, others are going to take notice. Because if you look at the scripture here, John 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other, just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another. The fellowship of the saints. The fellowship of the church. Love should be displayed among us. That's the true mark of one who is truly following him. And that's why it's vital that we don't give up meeting and fellowshipping together. That the church is encouraged to continue to go forth to carry out His will. And what will mark us? His love. Because that's the only way through His love that we truly could love each other. A bunch of broken people from all walks of life now restored in Christ. And so our identity that was before Christ doesn't define us now. We seek not to push our agenda now. We seek to establish his kingdom now. And what we're seeing in this generation, oh, the church needs to awaken to what is among us. We're allowing the things of the world and the world's agenda to creep in to the church. And now it's becoming our agenda. We only have one agenda. And that is to preach the gospel. Not to promote our race. Not to promote our sexual identity. Not to promote anything that's of ourselves, of our old nature. We only have one nature. Now. And it's in Christ. And we are to promote His kingdom. But as long as the church remains divided, as long as the church is questioning, I just heard that the, the church over in England, a well-established church, is a, a, a denomination that's been established with solid teaching for generations, are now questioning about the homosexual lifestyle. And opening up the church to saying, it's okay. What are we doing? The agendas that are being promoted among the church. And how the race war has entered into the church. And how we're fighting amongst, our, uh, 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 fighting among each other. 
demanding our rights. Angry at the white people, angry at the blacks, angry at the Asians, angry at the Hispanics. Everyone's angry at each other, demanding their rights. We want to be as privileged as you've been privileged. And we're all running amok. And we're all separate. And how can that be? Because that's not how it's supposed to be. Where's the church that's saying, wait a minute, we're not, we're not trying to push our agenda. No, when we really say all lives matter, all lives matter. And are we really thinking that the world is going to look any different than what it does today? It's not. It's going to get worse. The level of violence, the level of craziness that is going to take place, all of it has to come to pass for, because his, that's just pointing towards his return. But how are we responding to it? We're not to be caught up in it. We're to be set apart. No, let's talk about Jesus. Oh, then, then you're just pushing it off, Rob, because you're a white man. No, I'm not pushing anything off. I had to die to my agenda as a gay man. I too understood what it's like to feel, to be, you know, singled out and casted out. None of us really understood what our ancestors had endured. We only go by with what's today. I mean, come on. But we got to understand the culture. What understanding of the culture do you need? than that it's lost and depraved. You're focusing more on understanding that culture than you are the culture of the kingdom. And that's why you're enslaved and entrapped, acting just like them. Bitter, angry, confused, and demanding your rights. What is that? That's not a Christian. That's not how Christians respond or react. No, as Christians, the kingdom is first. The principles of the kingdom are first. And the race war that is happening in our nation, it's ridiculous. But it's even more ridiculous when we see Christians involved with it. Because we're going to love each other. We see beyond where we've been and who we were and what was done. Oh, you don't know the plight of my people. No, but I know the plight of our Savior. And He forgave. What are you still holding on to the plight of your people? See, forgiveness... Why don't we start talking that? Why don't we start talking about Jesus? He hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Why are we hating America? 
Why all of a sudden our nation is being singled out and how horrible and hateful our nation is. Are we not fools to see the deception that's taking place? That the very land that God purposed is decaying before our eyes. And everyone hates America, even Americans. We're such a horrible nation. What? Every nation. Every nation. Throughout the earth. Every country throughout the earth has its problems. But there's no other country like this nation. Who still, as of today, is under God. We still have a right as of today, to worship Him. We still have an opportunity for democracy. A nation that is governed by the people. And it saddens me that we as the people are ignorant to what God has purposed our nation to be. Because we look towards man to solve our problems. I want to challenge each of you, and we're just a few. Don't get caught up out there. Don't get caught up in the sled. We are living in the day and age that each of you were purposed for. Be the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Repent. Turn to God. Repent. Turn to God. I had a young man come to my office the other day wanting me to join some type of committee, some forum to sit and talk about race relations. No, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. I'd rather keep my eyes on Jesus. I'd rather, if I'm going to speak to a generation that's coming up, I'd rather allow them to know to point them to Jesus. We don't need to know the plight of everyone. We just need to know the plight of our Savior and what He has called us to. For God's sake, slavery was established and happening way before America. And truth be known, the slavery that was taking place even when our nation was birthed was coming from the continent of Africa themselves. So unless we put the burden just on our nation, injustice has been happening since the fall of Adam and Eve. And it will continue to be in this world until Christ returns and takes those who belong to Him with Him. So let the world be caught up in their social justice. But let the church remain focused on His kingdom.
and how we're called to love one another because that's the only way that we are marked and that the world will know that we belong to him. What is your view on this? I'll tell you my view on Jesus. I'll tell you about the one who came, who endured all that he endured for people in complete rebellion towards kingdom. The one who came and displayed love for all, not just for a select group, but for all. See, the Word of God says that every nation, tribe, and tongue, everyone's included. Not one race is greater than the other. Everyone is included. Everyone is given the right to respond to his salvation, to this free gift. And in that, we are now a new creation. That's the hope that we have, you all. Go to Romans chapter 5. How do we respond? Romans 5, verse 1 through 11. go ahead and give you the answer. How do we respond? With thankfulness. How should your lives be lived now with having the love of God revealed to you as being a person who is grateful? Who is thankful? Thanking Him throughout your day. Maybe you say, well, I have nothing to be grateful for. Well, then your eyes aren't on Him. No matter what your circumstances are. Life happens, you all. Life happens. We're all going to face life. But the hope is, this isn't it. The hope of eternity. The hope. It's in Christ. And I love how this chapter opens up with verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Not what you have done to fix yourself or to clean yourself up or to make things better. No, no, it's all about Him. And the faith that you believe that, the faith in which you say, I believe, this is what you've done for me. And now I'm at peace with God. Are you at peace with God today? If you were to drop dead right here and now, do you have peace in your heart? Or do you have that shrinking back like, oh God, you ought not to have that shrinking back. Remember, you can have the assurance because you're living a life if you shrink back, and we've talked about this a few weeks ago, <clears throat> you don't have the love of the Father in you. You don't understand His love. You're caught up in sin. 
But to have the assurance that peace of God, yes, God, a life living for Him. There shouldn't be hidden sin, and there shouldn't be blatant sin in your life. How can you be comfortable with that? How can you be comfortable with that? Knowing that God Himself sees. Rather, you're hiding it or you're just blatantly exposing it. No, come on. Look at this as what we have. Peace with God. We're no longer having to endure His wrath. We're at peace. Because of our faith, it says here, Christ has brought us into this place as undeserved privilege where we now stand, and look, we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of, hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. Look at that. Just don't read through it and, and, and just hear the words. No. How do these words impact your life for where you're heading once you leave this place today? Look what they say there. But isn't it interesting? It opens up. Now, therefore, you're at peace with God. You have this peace with God. And then from there, it leads right in to what your life would look like. Perfect. Never a problem. Right? Not what it says. It didn't say, now you're at peace with God and your life is perfect from here on. You float around singing Kumbaya and everything's glorious. No, no. He established a foundation in order to give you an understanding of what you're about to endure. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. How many of us have really matured to that level? That we rejoice when life slaps us down. I'm in reality. When's the last time you specifically prayed and asked God to mature you in that? To, to rejoice. Life slaps you down. God, I want to be able to, to get through it. I don't want to be overtaken by it. I don't want this to impact me in a way that I would turn from you. Oh God, I know that you'll see me through it. And in that I will rejoice. And in that I will praise you and I will give you thanks. We're talking about now how do we respond now as Christians to the knowledge and the understanding of his love for us you can respond in such a way that no matter what you're facing, He still gets the glory. He still gets the due respect that belongs to Him. 
Because I know that these things come to mature me. Look what it says there. To help us develop. To mature in this newness of life, of being born again of the Spirit. To endure, to persevere. It builds our character, it strengthens us. Look at that. It gives us this confident hope of salvation. It helps us to fix our gaze and set our eyes on Jesus, our lover. He loves us. We love him. He's our groom coming back for his bride. And she ought not to be tainted by other lovers. No, she's to be preparing herself for his return for her. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Are you facing disappointment today? Did you face it last week? It's because you took your eyes off of the glorious hope that is before you. Don't remain there. You remain disappointed. That in what you're disappointed in will become your God. It will lord over you. It will be that which you will abide with every hour of every day. Because look how disappointed I am. And then that disappointment will lead to other desires to flare up. See, you're following someone or something... (laughs) You should be following Christ. Not anything else that's trying or anyone else that's trying to lord over you. You put your hope in Christ. So many times, many seasons, I've been disappointed. And there's been many times and many seasons I've allowed the disappointment to be my God. And it beat the hell out of me. And it was nothing but the grace of God that he was there and reached his hand out and said... Are you finished with that, Rob? Because you don't belong there. See, that's the love that he has for us. He watches, goes with other lovers. He watches us just go and give ourselves to everyone and everything else. I love you enough. Have them if you want. And once they beat the hell out of us, once we're at our end, he's there. He just reveals himself. And if you would place your hand in his hand, if you would allow him to embrace you and hold you, he will restore you. That season doesn't have to continue to define you. But it must be applicable in your life. You must start living for Him. Are you going to be living for yourselves? But look at this confident hope that we have. And I love how it says here, For we know how dearly God loves us, because He's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. 
When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right, look at this, in God's sight by the blood of Christ, not by your works, but by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from his condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus has made us friends with God. The hope that we have, you all, go to Colossians chapter 2. Verse 6 through 7. It has to be our lifestyle, you all. It has to be who we are becoming. It can't just be words. It can't just be Facebook posts or social media posts. It can't just be like, oh, I feel it in the moment. I got the spirit now, but tomorrow I don't. You know? It can't be, look, okay, I showed up for church. <laughs> Do you realize what we are portraying when we're living that way? What we are portraying to others about the kingdom of God? Do you all realize the weight of that? It's not a burden because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But the understanding is, is that we're also told that we make sure that we're not tripping other people up by the way we're living. Because we're going to be held accountable to a living God. Like God himself. Like what? So you live in such a way that honors him. You fall, get back up, repent, and ask for forgiveness and move on. With him and with others. A Christian is not to be harboring bitterness and angry and unforgiveness. A Christian is not to be moved or led by their circumstances in life. No, a Christian is to be moved and led by the Holy Spirit, whom we've been given. And so to mock God, to mock his kingdom, I'm in it for now, but next I'm not, it amazes me. When I see it, I go, God, and how easily we could fall prey to it. Because that Christian life is easier than the life that Jesus calls us to, that says, die to yourself. The Christian life that is promoted, that you can do whatever you want, and God is still pleased, it's not truly the Christian life. The Christian life is a life that's honoring God. And we must remain committed to Him. But this weirdness that we do, 
Like we're in church, and then all of a sudden, we're out of church, and all of a sudden, it's like we pick up our old lives. And we're shucking and jiving and doing everything else that the world is doing, and acting like the world, speaking like the world, living like the world, and the world is watching. You make a mockery of the God in whom you say you've surrendered to. And what kind of God is that that would then allow you to get away with it? He must not be God at all. Look at what it says here in Colossians chapter 2. How are we to, do, how, how are we to respond? We are to mature and overflow with gratitude. Verse 6 through 7. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, look at what it says here, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. You want to know how you're maturing? You really want to get real with your walk with God? How thankful are you? I told you, you've been all of you've been around me long enough. I told you and I'd encourage you. You want to know where you're at with God? What's coming out of your mouth? Or what's going on in here? You're so ungrateful. Bad attitudes. I've been there. And we want to demand our rights. We want to stay there, but that's not where we're to be. We're to continue to follow him, to let our roots grow down deep in him. Then at that point, our faith will begin to grow strong in the truth that we're being taught, and our lives will just overflow with thanksgiving. So don't beat yourself up today if you're finding yourself not where you ought to be. But you better wake up to the conviction of the Lord who is trying to press in on you and saying, that is not where you belong. What can you thank Him for today? You need to start establishing that every day. See, we want to thank him when he fixes our mess. That's a warped, weird way of doing it. It's what we do in the flesh. We try to manipulate things, make things happen, make things work, get things done. Woo! Then we throw his name on it. Thank you, Jesus. Look what God did for me. And I always say, how quick we're to say that, but yet if we really believed it, our, it wouldn't be so flippant. We're, we're, we're really quick to say how God has blessed me and yet continue to live in rebellion towards Him. Like you're honoring God with your mouth, but your heart is far 
from Him. And this is, becomes our norm. Or we're expecting Him to fix the mess that we've put ourselves in. Maybe He never fixes that mess. But He can fix your heart so that you won't create another mess. <laughs> like, remain in Him. Continue to follow Him. If you've accepted Christ, continue to follow Him. Hebrews chapter 12. respond. Verse 14, work at living in peace with everyone. And work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. This is written to the church. This is how you're to be living. Watch out that no poisonous root or bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterward, what he wanted, his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command, if even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight and said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you have not come to Mount Zion. I'm sorry, for you have come to Mount Zion, to the city, look at this, of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance, like the blood of Abel. This is what you've been engrafted into. It is not as what the Israelites experienced. It is of a new covenant that you've come to the living God himself. You've been engrafted into his kingdom. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. Wow. 
always amazes me when I hear people say, well, he's not the God of the Old Testament. As if somehow now the God of the New Testament is an easier God. Is this weak-willed God that's like, oh, it's all just muffins, cakes, and hugs. No, no, no. If you think that the Israelites didn't get away with it, when it was a physical man speaking on behalf of God, do you really think that we're going to get away with it when it's God himself speaking to us from heaven? Revealing himself to each one of us? Do you see? When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he speaks another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed, so only unshakable things will remain. So, here's the hope we have, verse 28. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping Him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a devouring fire. Wow! What a glorious picture of our God. And what a reality that it needs to be for us each and every single day. To ensure the way in which we are living is a way that is ex expressing our love back to Him because He's lavished His love upon us. The love of God, you all. Go to Revelations chapter 2. And I'm coming to a close. As long as he was performing for them, as long as he was doing for them, but when he began to really tell of his purpose and who he was, they left. It was too hard for them to comprehend. And as he watched them walk away, he knew their hearts. He knows your heart. See, it's not him. No, it's you. It's me. That's the problem. He's already established his love for you. Because he formed you. He fashioned you. He's counted the hairs on your head. He's prepared good works for you to do. He knows the plans that he has for you. He made provision through Jesus for you to be restored to him. 
to live for eternity with him, it is you and me who says no to that. That's not enough, God. The temporalness of life is it's what's drawing me. It's the ones I see, it's the things I want, it's all about me, myself, and I. And I'll do what I want, when I want. See, it's not him, it's us. His faithfulness is not in question. Yours is. Mine is. He gets a bad rap because everyone blames God questions God and wants God to be different and to accept our rebellion how does that happen his kingdom will never accept rebellion never he's not going to change his mind no matter how big the, 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 the crowd grows and chants to be accepted by God Yeah, no, 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 no. His faithfulness, his love is established. Forever. He's unchanging. But man, created being, you have a right to choose. He knows your heart. And I'm always fascinated when I read through the book of Revelation. Because yet, though, we're at the end, and there's complete chaos on this earth, there will still be those who would say no to God. This is where we're heading. This is where the world is heading, and everything in this generation and generations to come is revealing it. Just look out there. See what's going on. And yet, we're not moved to draw closer to him. Because we're still stuck with our temporalness of life. Oh God, we need to wake up you all. And I say it for myself just as much as I'm saying it for you. Like we need to wake up. If we're saying that we really believe then understand what's to come. He knows our hearts. And just as I open up the book of Revelation, and then I see these letters that were written to the church from Jesus. I don't know how many times you've sat down and just opened up and just read through the letters. But even in, up to the end, He's drawing you back to himself. That's why when you stand before him and I stand before him, if we're still in rebellion, it's not him. It's you. And that's why I don't understand why we, why we remain in our rebellion. I'll get to it someday. What? No, today is now. Like we'll get up from here and go right back to the sin that would so easily entangles us. After hearing a message like this, 
as if we're just shaking and spitting and kicking up dirt on him. As if it's nothing. Trampling on his blood as if, ah, whatever. Like, really? Look at chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. This is the message to the church of Ephesus. Jesus' words. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven golden gold lampstands. Jesus' words. I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. So far, it sounds good. Look at all you've done. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me. Or each other, as you did at first. They're enduring, they're suffering for Christ. They're not tolerating evil among them. They're exposing false teachers, and yet, he has this against them. You don't love me. And you don't love each other. You've lost it. Look how far you've fallen. And look at this beautiful picture. Turn back to me and do the work she did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans, just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit, understand what He's saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. He knows our hearts. Your works... Is not what moves him. Stand up against evil all you want. Pray down heaven all you want. Post whatever you want on social media all you want. But do you love him? Do you love him? Return to me, he says. Go to chapter 3. Verse 14. The message to the church in Lady Osea. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Lady Osea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. 
Jesus, you all. I know all the things you do, <laughs> that you are neither cold, I'm sorry, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are lukewarm, like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold for me, gold that has been purified by fire, then you will be rich. Also buy white garments for me so you will not be ashamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so that you will be able to see. I correct and I discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we'll share a meal and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to what the Spirit, I'm sorry, to listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Read the other letters to the other churches. He knows where we're at. You can't pretend. It's not a game. It's not like, oh, it's just like, no. There's so much more to life than just the temporalness of this day that is before us. There's so much more, you all. As I gazed out over the ocean yesterday, and I was just there just for a brief second, just overwhelmed by the beauty that was before me and how calm it was knowing that just on the other side and heading up north it's, it's a raging sea and I was like God that's what life is like there are moments where everything is calm before and yet there are others where it is just banging up against us. But no matter, rather the storm is raging or the sea is calm, He is still God. And we ought to be looking towards Him. And Him alone. And to give Him thanks for who He is and what He's done what he's going to do. I want to close in Psalms 136. And if you've been around me, you know most likely I have encouraged us and encouraged you. One, I'm sorry, Psalm 136. To personalize Psalms 136. In fact, I think I had each of you do it years ago, write it out, and then I had you read it to us. So I want to encourage you this week. Maybe you need to sit down and be a psalmist. Sit down 
and write out your own personal Psalm 136. We need to have a heart of gratitude. And it needs to be a discipline. Remember what I said earlier? Like that one pastor mentioned on Wednesday? There's no secret. Just do it. Some of you have just got to get up from where you're at. You need to repent of the sin that is in your life. You need to get up and move on. Stop worrying about others. Listen, if there's sin in your life and there's areas in your life that you know are not honoring God and you're remaining and you're staying there because you're worried about others or you're worried about how provision is going to come for you, do you realize that you're trading your love for God for temporalness of life? Because those people that you are worrying about, those that provision that you're so consumed about could be taken away tomorrow or this hour. And then what? Oh, my poor life. Come on. We need to stop playing games. We need to stop acting as if we have tomorrow. We need to deal with the issues of the heart today. This moment, this hour, this second. Because you could drop dead walking down those stairs. And you haven't even reconciled sitting here that you want to be right with God. Only God can make this clear to you all. Why would we choose to hold back? I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. What are they going to think? Listen. The man in whom I thought I was in love with, that I was going to spend the rest of my life with, I had everything I've ever wanted. I was treated with the utmost whatever I needed, I got. I didn't ask, I mean, I had everything. Warm towels before the shower. The robe laid out. Down to every detail, my life was planned and perfect. In the natural. To what this man inside me, the old man, Wanted. For God's sake, I was about to have the house of my dreams built on the beach for me. And what, God? You want me to leave what? You want me to leave who? Where am I going to go? This isn't only going to affect me. This is going to affect my family. My mom and aunt were looking forward to moving into this condo. I was supposed to open up a business. Wait, wait a minute, God, what? Oh, no, we got to rethink all of this. 
Let me save up some money. Let me figure out what to do. No, Rob. Get up from there and leave. See, I don't know where you're at today. But I do know this. He's telling you, get up and leave. Let them go and let it go. Or you're suffering for eternity because you've chosen them or that over him. Could you imagine if I didn't get up that day? There was a choice. It was a choice. I mean, for goodness sake, Rich even told me, Rob, you don't have to leave. I won't even touch you. We don't even have to be sexual anymore. You can have the master room. I just want to care for you. You can have your God. You, you can do whatever you want. Just stay. And he would have. Because for months, we stopped all the sexual perversion. Because I told him I just couldn't do it anymore. It was dishonoring God. And he moved into the other bedroom. compared to him and I was on my knees and his love for me was overwhelming me what could compare to him in this world nothing and the very words that came from Rich's mouth came true because when I opened up that door when he was standing there you're leaving and he had told me throughout the year I don't know how to fight for you this God that you are following and you're loving and giving yourself to I can't fight him I can't do what he has done for you you're becoming a new man. I don't even know you anymore. You're a better man today. And you're growing into a better man each and every single day that I see you with him. And I don't know how to fight for you. And you just get up, you all. And you just say, okay, God. So whatever you're facing today, you all, whatever it is that is between you and God, I pray that you would not go another second with it. Because you're not guaranteed another second. I could have chosen to stay. I would have dropped dead in the midst of my rebellion and would have been separated for all eternity from the very one who has established his love for me. What on earth in your life is greater than his love for you? Nothing should be. 
And for that, you should give thanks. Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to God, to the God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who alone does mighty miracles. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to who made I'm sorry, give thanks to him who made the heavens so skillfully. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who placed the earth among the waters. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavenly lights. His faithful love endures forever. The sun to rule the day. His faithful love endures forever. And the moon and the stars to rule the night. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who killed the firstborn of Egypt. His faithful love endures forever. He brought Israel out of Egypt. His faithful love endures forever. He acted with a strong hand and powerful arm. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who parted the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. He led Israel safely through. His faithful love endures forever. But he hurled Pharaoh and his army into the sea, into the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who led his people through the wilderness. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who struck down mighty kings. His faithful love endures forever. He killed powerful kings. His faithful love endures forever. Shion, king of the Amorites, his faithful love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, his faithful love endures forever. God gave the land of these kings as an inheritance. His faithful love endures forever. A special possession to his servant Israel. His faithful love endures forever. He remembered us in our weakness. His faithful love endures forever. He saved us from our enemies. His faithful love endures forever. He gives food to every living thing. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His faithful love endures forever. I challenge you, go this week, even if you've done this before, go write your own Psalm 136. Tell of His goodness. And then declare His faithful love endures forever. Tell of the provision that He has provided for you. His faithful love endures forever. Talk how He has delivered you. His faithful love endures forever. Keep it before you to remind you of His faithful love that endures forever. Amen. I'm going to close with this song and then I'll close us in prayer.
must be more now, Father. There must be more now, Spirit. There must be more now, Jesus. Bring down, bring down, Spirit. There must be more now, Father. for each one of us today, God. God, that we would truly Father, love you. And no greater love, God, than Jesus laying his life down for us. Open our eyes, God, that we would see. Open our ears that we would hear. Bring forth conviction that will lead us to repentance, God. That we may walk in obedience. Your word says that if we walk habitually in the spirit, that we won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Forgive us, Lord, for not habitually walking in the spirit, by not keeping you first in our lives. I pray, God, that we wouldn't desire continue to make choices that out of our rebellion. <laughs> God, that we will learn how to make choices and live out of the knowledge of your love for us and our love for you. You know where each of us are at, God. You know our heart. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to each of us so clearly have and who we're with is not honoring you, then God, I pray Lord, you would move in such a way that you would give us no rest until we surrender. For we're talking about eternity. Father, your word is very clear. Those who endure to the end shall be saved. We are reminded 
time and time and time again in your word. To turn to you. To come back to you. May that be expressed today by how each one of us will respond to this message. anyone among us or anyone who may be listening to this online God that not a follower of Christ they're, they've never Father made that commitment unto you I pray today would be the day of salvation God that they would respond and that they would be saved I pray for those who may have made that commitment but yet have walked away the cares of this life Rob the word from them. The hearts, God, have not been good soil. But I pray today, God, that their heart would be good soil. Father, they would receive, and in doing so, like the prodigal, get up from their pig pen, from the filth in which they have gone to, and they would get up and run to you, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you would embrace them, that you would restore them, pray for those, God, who are seeking you diligently. Father, they would not grow prideful or arrogant in their ways, but they would remain humble. As a humble servant as Christ is our example. So wherever we may be today, I pray that we would respond. I want to thank you for Yvette and for Brent, and thank you, Father, for the opportunity to celebrate their birthdays with them today, and I just pray, God, for this upcoming year. God, that, Lord, you would give them such a fresh sense of reality of of your love for them. That your hand would be upon them, that you would enlarge their territory. That wherever their feet may be tread, it would be given unto them for your kingdom and for your glory. I pray, God, that they would know and experience the peace of God each and every single day. And I pray that they will be encouraged, Holy Spirit, daily. And that they will grow in thankfulness and gratefulness. Protect them, we pray, Lord. We thank you for Doreen and what a blessing it is to have her. And Father, how much we love her, she loves us. But above all, how much she loves you and you love her. God, you've seen her through. And you'll continue to see her through. I pray that she would continue to cast all her cares upon you. And that, Father, that she would rest assured that you are for her and not against her. We thank you, Father, that you care for the widows. We thank you, Father, that you would continue to uphold her in her season of mourning. And that she would fill your love daily, Father. We lift up Norma to you as she's preparing to speak at another church next Sunday to, to present Father as well as the need for her mission trip to go to China. We pray, God, that you would strengthen your servant. We pray, God, that your hand will remain upon her. We thank you for the funding for this mission trip. We thank you, God, that you're calling her to go and that provision 
is provided to get your servant to that country. So Lord, bless us. We, we thank you for the provision for today, the food in which we're about to partake. We pray, God, it'll nourish our bodies. And we thank you, God, for this day and for this opportunity to be together. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, hang back. If not, go ahead and make your way down.